What's up, everybody, and welcome to part four of episode 10 of VGM Generations, where we are talking about our NES Classic and Famicom Mini hits. Uh, with me, as always, is Jordan Belinsky. Hi. And making his triumphant return after his whirlwind tour through Japan, Tokyo, <laughs> and parts unknown, Aaron Blauchuk. Konnichiwa. Oh, there you go. You learned something. Uh, yeah. So uh, we're back for our last part here, where we're going to run down our our last three favorite picks and uh i'm going first this time and i am going to talk about mega man because i really feel like we kind of talked about we mentioned mega man a lot on this podcast if you haven't noticed and uh we uh we talked about maybe not doing mega man but i just thought it was it was genuinely a disservice to not talk about mega man because probably if you look at the whole list of all the games on the mini console i think it probably has the best music collectively um, of any game on on the classic yeah on the mini and, and yeah. plus for most people buying the classic this is probably one of the main reasons they want to buy the classic in the first place yeah is to play Mega Man 2 so yeah so and it is Mega Man 2 so we've we often have the fight of Mega Man 2 over Mega Man 3 but Jordan doesn't get to have a say this time because it's only <laughs> Mega Man 2 I couldn't I couldn't have picked something from Mega Man 3 so now uh, refresh my memory is Mega Man 2 it is the only Mega Man game on there there's yeah, not it one is. or nope. nothing no nope, they just went straight yeah. to two so Straight to the best one. Yes, they did. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with them skipping the first one. The first one yeah, was... Yeah, the first one. Uh, stupid. It's a little rough, yeah. It, yeah, they just... They got so much better by two and three. So. All the people I know who know Mega Man say, if you're if you're just getting started, start with two. Yeah. Like, don't start with one, start with two. Well, so not really any reason to start with any of them because they're all pretty much the exact same game over and over again. So yeah. It's not like story-wise it matters, but one had... I, it was like feature-wise, really, right? Yeah. Like yeah. control-wise and well, they added some stuff. Mega Man 2 is like most number two games in any series where they take whatever worked in the in the first one, they finally learn what was actually good about it and they refine it and just make boil it, better, it down. Yeah, yeah make a better Creed game. Two, Assassin's Creed, Uncharted uh, Watch 2, Dogs Watch Dogs 2. Is like excellent. Any yeah. two game is the one where they basically say, here's what worked in the the first game here let's make the perfect version of it and yeah. then they screw it up in three, three. When they, <laughs> you know when they add too many features Mega Man 3 and and more yeah this all, it's a long running theory that I've me and you have had discussions about but two is generally the in, in best, the best yeah. in a series of games it's two is where they take all the things that were like wrong with one refine them make them better perfect them and then three is where you get into the feature creep and it becomes yep. too much and they go overboard exactly so. that's why Mario 2 is the best out of the trilogy <laughs> 100% can't, I can't argue with that yeah it's a bit of a weird case in that one just that yeah but we mentioned that in the last podcast though though I mean three bucks the rule Mario 3 did yeah. have like the feature creep and they put a whole bunch of stuff in there but all of it works exactly that's why Mega Man 3 is also the best Mega Man game <laughs> But anyway, uh, Mega Man 2, so the track I picked is my personal favorite, which is Airman. Um, obviously, developed, published Capcom 1988, so the year I was born. Uh, and then this is a, um, a thing that Aaron mentioned on the very first podcast, but uh, Takashi Tateshi, I'm going to say. Takashi Tateshi is the main composer, but uh, the composer from Mega Man 1 uh, contributed the melody for the Airman on Mega Man 2, and his name is Miami Matsume. So, Manami Matsume, I should say. And uh, so, yeah, that was a little to jump back to our very first podcast. But yeah. Oh, that's a good recall. I don't remember talking about it anymore. Well, it's because I went through your notes. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jordan actually remembered that though. Uh, and then the only other thing I wanted to say was that I've been playing this game, uh, not on the classic because I couldn't get one because it was too popular, but I've been playing it in the Mega Man Legacy Collection on the 3DS, which is another um, great, really faithful remake of those games. And it actually has like um, people who are insane about those games know that like, uh, like the slowdown that happens in Mega Man 3 when there's too much stuff on the screen, like they they use that at, to their advantage to play that game. And they re, like the emulator in that legacy collection is so good, it still has the slowdown. So like <laughs> it's you can, so good, it has the technical limitation. Well, but but it's like it is a real true emulation of how it would have been mm. if you had played it on the NES when it first came out. So yeah. is it, you know it's. Is it so good that it also has sprite flickering as well? Yeah, because oh, I was going to bring that up and how there's like they put sprite flickering in artificially in Mega Man 9 and you can actually turn it on and off. Yeah, you yeah. can like select it as an option that they have that sprite flicker from having too many sprites and stuff going on in the screen. But, but no, it, it does. It does. Like the they they built an emulator for that game and they built it specifically so it was playing it exactly like you were playing it on the NS. So cool. it's really cool. It's a great, a great little game. And I think it's only 10 bucks right now. Um, 
it's on sale for uh, like Black Friday. So if you're listening to this on Monday, I think it's still on sale. So uh, pick it up if you're if that's something you're interested. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of all I have to say about it. Anything else you guys have to say about Airman stage? I was going to say that um, the Mega Man Legacy Collection is out now. I haven't played it yet, but I'm just a bit curious because I have the Mega Man Anniversary Collection, which yeah. came out maybe 10 or 15 years prior, which also had Mega Man 1 through 6, I believe, maybe yeah. one or two other games on there. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it, I'm just curious how the two compare, so I might have to play both and see that. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, the Legacy is great from everything I've heard and everything I've played personally. So Cool. A great, a great way to get into Mega Man if you've never played it before and you can't find an NES classic out there. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's give the Airman music listen. easy to beat Airman with the Mega Buster. That's funny because in Mega Man 3, my favorite might be the first guy I go to fight to. Mm-hmm. Which is? The game. Uh, I think it's Top Man or Hard Man, one of the two, because I like them both, so I okay. go to one of the two of them every time. Like I, I think I mentioned mm-hmm. to you, the reason Airman is like so locked in my brain is the rap. Um, the rap yeah. yeah, so like it's the first one that comes in the rap, <laughs> and so like for some reason it's like, I don't know, it just got it got locked in there because of the rap, So which we've played before on the podcast too, but... Yeah. Yeah, I love that Airman stage. It's so good. And there's great, there's some other, like, you know, I I brought the Mega Man rap, but as you know, there's millions and millions and millions of remixes online of all Mega Man songs. And uh, there's a great one by this uh, Japanese guy. He's a violin player, and uh, he did, like, a Mega Man cover of uh, Airman. And uh, he tur- <laughs> the first thing that happens is he walks over and turns on a fan, and it's, like, blowing in his hair the whole time. <laughs> And he's got like this long black hair. It looks so awesome. It's hilarious. Do you, you don't remember his name. It's not a string yeah, player. It is. Gamer it's that or something guy. like that. Yeah, string player or whatever his name is. Oh, yeah. He's yeah, got if you some... just look up for Airman, Airman violin cover or something, you'll find it on YouTube. And he, it's great. He's it's cool. fantastic. <laughs> that guy's an awesome musician, very, too. Very. He does the same thing like Smooth with Groove where he plays all the parts and then puts yeah. them back together. So, hmm. yeah, he's a great, a great. If when we do the next cover episode, I'll probably have him in there. So, cool. So, if we're going to talk about Airman, how well do you know Mega Man 2? Where does Airman go in as far as the sequence? He's the first guy you, that you said you would you would fight. So well, he's for, the first, first guy in the second because uh, so what does his power work best against? Uh, the air one works best on Crash Man, I think. Uh, yeah, because he's frozen in the air. So and then the vent flows up to hit him. I yeah, guess. Yeah, I, yeah, because I think I think it's Crash Man who and I think you air, use him in the final boss battle too. Yeah, and you want to use Woodman against Airman, right? Yeah, the jam, the Leafs to Jam is fan. Yeah, Jam is fan, yeah. Because that's oh. in the rap too. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that because I, like, th- some of the first ones that I'll actually go for are like Woodman, Metal Man, and, uh, or Airman. And as far as Airman is concerned, I've never used any weapon on him but the standard Mega Buster just because that's the best, to, best always, to use. There's always at least one boss that you go in with the with the regular Buster and then yeah. from there you follow the chain of of. Do you what know what, best. like, the proper order is? In three, I do, but not in not two. Not in two, yeah, because yeah. you just haven't played as much. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they're, like, out there. There's probably, like, some debate 
as to what the perfect order is, but mm-hmm. that game's been out so long, I'm sure there's like a widely accepted order. Yeah, and the thing is too, is I, I never learned what the accepted order is, but it's one of those games that you play so much that you get to a point where, or you I mean you mentioned like Norm was on the last episode of the podcast. There's a guy who never uses any weapon but the Mega Buster ever. <laughs> the whole game? On any level. Oh, yeah, really? That's like, wow, that's, that's his thing. Is that, is that like a point of pride for him that he, he doesn't have to? I don't know. I don't or think it's it a just, point of pride. I think it's just, you know, that's just the way he's always played. Yeah, so it's like that item hoarding mentality. Like when you, we well, talk about like this when you, yeah. playing, right? when you play Resident Evil and you get to the final boss and you have like 30 green herbs and you yeah. haven't, you know, saved once or whatever. It's more like it's more trouble to go and switch your weapon than it is just to use the Mega Buster to destroy everything. Yeah, and, well, yeah. and he's one of the best Mega, like he's a huge Mega Man fan, so he's one of the best Mega Man players I know. Yeah. And, uh, and it was that game, watching him play that game, that taught me that he can uh, rapid fire on a controller faster just by like rapidly tapping faster than anyone that I know as well. Oh, really? Yep. He's got like oh. super yeah. quick twitch That's right. muscle fibers in his thumb <laughs> from playing Mega Man for all those years. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I specifically didn't go online. I didn't want to know. Like I, I kind of wanted it to play it like I was playing it as a kid and I just got Mega Man 2. Like I kind of wanted to try it myself. Like because the rap is so thoroughly embedded in my brain. I knew a couple that I like, shouldn't go to first, but I wanted to kind of try it out myself and go through the enemies and, you know, try and figure out the order for myself. So I thought that would be a little more fun than just going online and being like, what's the best order? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, because a lot of it was uh, as a kid playing the game, you get to the boss, you fight him, you realize the, the Mega Buster's not working. So you try out some of your weapons that you've acquired along the way and you'll notice right away that some of them just bounce off and they don't do anything. And that's yeah. where you sort of learn some don't work at all and, and some work amazingly well so yeah yeah yeah. there's like there's like um in Mega Man 3 I know if you have top man's powers and you go up against shadow man shadow man would be one of the hardest bosses to fight with any weapon but if you have top man you just do like one spin and he's like dead in a hit Mm -hmm. yeah there's there's always that there's always that boss in Mega Man who's like super hard except for that one weapon which demolishes for the one who's like the end boss of Mega Man 2 the alien where you've got like the bubble gun kind of thing yeah yeah and it's always it's funny heat man too I think yeah, I don't remember, but it's funny when it's something like Bubble, where it's yeah. like a goofy weapon <laughs> that like annihilates the uh, the final boss. Because I think in Mega Man Three, it's similar. I think there's one where Top Man is like you use him on the final boss and he dies right away. Mm-hmm. That's funny. All right, well, Aaron, do you want to go next? Because just for the order of things. Yeah, yeah, sure. Wow, cool. Why the hell not? All right, uh, you know, uh, one thing I'll just mention off the top, um, since as we said, uh, I was in Japan and. Uh, Mike mentioned that he couldn't pick up the NES Classic because it was impossible to get. Well, I was in Tokyo on the day that the Famicom Mini launched. Yeah, and I had I had grand (laughs) plans. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna find it. Yeah, we mentioned on the last podcast. That's why you had went was to buy (laughs) all of the Famicom Minis you could get, bring them back to North America, and sell them and make your fortune. Yeah, as it turned out, uh, they like Tokyo sold out in an hour. Like they were, they were gone within the first hour. I think North America was very much a similar thing. Like everyone who wanted one was lined up for it. Yeah. And those first six people got one and no one else did. Yeah. But I I mean, I saw it. I went to stores that had it on display and you could play it. It was there. Oh, did you try it? No, no, I didn't actually try it, but I, I saw them have it. I saw the box for it. I saw the games. I saw all the displays, but no, you cannot get it anywhere. And I took a picture of the sign and used translate on it, like the Google translate photo Mm -hmm. app. Yeah. See what it said? And the sign basically said, no, we don't have it, and we have no idea when we're getting more. <laughs> <laughs> They're tired of people yeah. asking. <laughs> yeah. I've seen similar signs in North America. Yeah. Like when the Wii came out, I don't know if anyone remembers, 10 years ago. It was actually almost exactly 10 years ago now. But um, the mania around the Wii and like people posting very similar signs like, no, we don't have it. No, we don't know when we're getting more. No, we can't reserve one for you. <laughs> yeah. No, we're not taking bribes. Like <laughs> it was well, pretty much that. And, and it came out around Christmas too. So it did. Yeah. It was going November. Nuts. Right. So yeah. Yeah. And uh, to console myself, I bought myself some Amiibos, but it was a, it was a weak consolation. Yeah. But anyway, my, my game that I picked is um, Balloon Fight. Yay! Yay! <laughs> it is a classic. I mean, it's it's a, one of those very very early early NES games. And Balloon Fight, if you don't know, is essentially the game, the arcade game Joust. Just as it says in my notes here, it's a stupider version of Joust because <laughs> Joust is great, and I love Joust. Yeah. And Balloon, Joust is an arcade classic. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Where you fly around on ostriches for some reason. And yeah, so weird. Pick up eggs and smash people on the head. And uh, Balloon Fight is just a ripoff of Joust, but it's not very well done. Um, though in balloon fight, there is a third mode. There's like an A mode, a B mode and a C mode. And the C mode is called balloon trip and balloon trip is great. It's, uh, it was, 
we were just talking about before, and I never really thought about this. I was trying to think of something to compare it to, but it's essentially like the original Flappy Bird kind of thing, where <laughs> it's a side-scrolling thing, except you know, I don't know why. It must be just because of its Japanese influence, but you start on the right-hand side and you travel left. So it's a side-scroller. Backwards, yeah. But yeah, you go right to left. And there's a little counter in the top of the screen that starts at 50. And as you progress, you have to like dodge these little sparks that are arranged all over. You have to scroll around, dodge these sparks, and grab balloons. And as you go, it gets a little harder. So at first, it's just stationary sparks. And then the sparks are moving, like, just up and down. And then they're, like, moving at crazy angles and all this kind of stuff. So it's uh, – and I played a ton of this stuff. I actually, with that timer that counts down, I managed to get it from 50 all the way down to 1, which is where I discovered that once it gets to 1, it just stays there. You can't win this game. It goes they on. They didn't think anyone was going to yeah, get that far. <laughs> it, just, it just stops and goes forever. And then you're sort of, like, in balloon fight limbo as you, you know, you go until <laughs> – you know, that's the world hell. ends, essentially. Just, that's, that's, or his purgatory, like if he's sinned <laughs> yeah. and there is a hell and a purgatory, he's going to get stuck in, in balloon fight one yeah, and for, the, for all of eternity. So now, it doesn't get harder, it just stays... It, it gets harder until, um, you, get until you get to one, and then it just stays at okay. its like maximum hardness. It yeah. never really gets any harder than that, because I don't think they programmed it past there. It's yeah. like, well, you should be done by Maybe now. Maybe they ran out of cartridge space or something, <laughs> they were like, we can't do it anymore. Yeah, and... It, and in balloon fight, and this is a different thing than joust, is that you have two balloons, meaning you can get hit twice on top before you die. Except in balloon trip, it's one hit is death. So you touch anything, you're instantly dead. Higher stakes. Higher stakes, yeah. And uh, this was an interesting fact that I didn't know before. Um, the character balloon fighter, who doesn't have a name, his name is just balloon fighter, was actually considered for a character, a playable fighter in Super Smash Bros. Melee. Okay. Except he was booted out in favor of uh, Ice Climber instead. So. Oh, I, I think I'm that's cool a better... <laughs> yeah. Well, and then they did in uh, Smash 4, or whatever you mm -hmm. want to call it, um, the villager has the balloon fighter yeah. ability. they gave him an ability. They gave him the little... The, his, I think, is up B. Is yeah. You get the balloons, and then you can pump a few times, kind of like Kirby exactly. or Exactly. They, yeah. they had to get that in there. And I think balloon fighter was a trophy yep. in, in, yeah, it was. Yeah. in Melee yeah. as well. And uh, Anything they couldn't get in the game, they just turned into <laughs> yeah. a trophy. That's why that game's got like 10 million trophies. Now, um, also, Club Nintendo released a remake of Balloon uh, Fight in 2007, except it stars Tingle from the Zelda series. So it's the same game, well, it makes sense, though, because Tingle yeah, has the he's balloon. got the balloons. Yeah. So, which is, you know, it's funny. Well, I yeah. guess, I wonder if that's where Tingle came from. Uh, I don't know. Do you think it was inspiration? Or do you think it's just coincidence? I think well, he was already designed with the balloons before yeah. that. That's just a guess. I don't know. I, I, I've done, I can't remember all the details, but I was actually, you know, researching Tingle for no reason at all. And people, there's <laughs> like some of parents is like, who's he based on? They had like a photo of like Koji Kondo and a photo of Tingle. And it's like, looks like the same guy. <laughs> so I don't know if he's specifically supposed to be based on him or not. Okay. But the what, face sure does. What's, yeah. what's the, uh, the game called that he's in? You know what? I don't know. Cause he, I didn't cause actually he, get the title. Because he has another game that I'm aware of called um, uh, Tingles um, Rupee. It's Rupee the, Land, yeah. Rosie Rupee Land or something like that where you collect. It's, it's actually a little bit more in-depth than you would think, but it's sort of like a Rupee collecting game. Yeah, it's not part of that one because this was like one of those Club Nintendo so, exclusive things. And it yeah. may have only... Was it Japan only? It may or? have been Japan only. Yeah, well. a lot of those yeah. were. So yeah. Tingle has two games. Yeah, what the hell? That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah. And I know we talked about uh, this before, but the uh, this game came out in 84, and it was composed by Hirozaku Tanaka, who is Hip Tanaka. Hip Tanaka, yeah. As we, uh, as we talked about. Or, or Chip. Or Chip Tanaka. Hip Tanaka, <laughs> Chip Tanaka, who did, of course, Donkey Kong, Duck Hunt, Metroid, Kid Icarus, Super Mario Land, the Mother or Earthbound series, Dr. Mario, and Barker Bill's Trick Shooting. Yeah, you know, yeah, he did it, most of the games on the classic. That's right. He he did most of them. And it's too bad that classic couldn't get the light gun. That would have been so cool. <laughs> that would have been awesome because then like, we get Barker Bills. Yeah, exactly. Next. So time. without Next time. Uh, further ado, this is the song, and and I don't even think there's a song in uh, in the main mode, but this is the song from Balloon Trip okay. specifically. So this is Balloon Trip from Balloon Fight.
The uh, the other thing I don't know if you came across in your research, but um, sorry, who's the um, I can't believe I forget his name, but the deceased president of Nintendo. Oh, uh, Hiroshi Yamauchi. No, sorry, the guy who just passed oh, away. Oh, Awada. Awada, yeah. <laughs> the, the more newly deceased The more newly one. deceased, yeah. Um, still very tragic, but uh, Awada uh, programmed this game. He was yeah. a big part of this game. Oh, yeah. And uh, this actually, I can bring up something I brought up in an earlier podcast, but Game Center CX. Um, mm. There's a, an episode uh, that like Japanese comedy show that I brought up in the last game. There's an episode where he plays Balloon Fight and he brings Awada in. Mm-hmm. Like Awada like shows up and he like he didn't know like they just brought him in and Awada is like telling him all these things about the game about like the fish and the timer and stuff yeah. like that and he's like how do you know these things he's like because I re- I made this game <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's a great moment if you want to go on and I gotta check watch out. that one I, I imagine they only played Balloon Trip though no they played a bunch of Awada's games they oh. played a, a Balloon Trip um, and a couple other I can't remember what the other ones were but they played a few of uh, specifically Awada's games yeah but so. they didn't like with Balloon Fight they didn't play Balloon Fight they played Balloon Trip oh um. Yeah, they definitely played Trip for sure, and they made. I'm not sure if they played the other modes. I can't. I can't really yeah. remember. But but it's a great episode. Like, and it's just it's a really funny episode because it. Um, I saw it right after Awad had passed away because somebody posted it saying like, "Here's kind of more of this guy's personality." Because we always got his public face, but mm. no one really saw what he was like in private. And he was actually a great and really funny guy. So so did they just have him on the show because he was the president, and they didn't realize that he actually made all the games? No, it was just the host didn't realize they they brought him in specifically for that reason. Now the host oh, okay. knew oh. he was the president. Of the Nintendo. host knew he was the president. Yeah. Oh yeah, when he comes in, he's like, "Oh my God, it's the president of Nintendo," and he like starts <laughs> bowing to him and stuff like that. Um, but. Uh, uh, he didn't know that he had such a like I don't think a lot of people knew till like maybe he was a after he, yeah till yeah. after he passed away that he had quite a prolific programming lineage before he became the president yeah. so I think I, everyone just assumed he was like a businessman and I'd heard stories that he was you know very hands on he would like come into on on game development on later games and he would like solve programming yeah. problems even when he uh, even yeah. after even he, was when he was the president yeah. yeah he came in and uh, he was the guy who fit the whole of Pokemon Red and Blue into Pokemon. Uh, silver and gold, I think it was, or whatever. Like he, he made it possible to go back to that other region because he, he, like through some programming wizardry, like shrunk the first game and stuff. Like, yeah, he was a genius. Hmm. I'm just remembering a, a very famous quote by him, I, and I apologize if I get it wrong, but um, there's this quote he said. I think it what goes, "My business card says I'm a president. In my mind, I'm a programmer, but in my heart, I'm a gamer." Yeah, was, that was like one of his infamous quotes yeah. that people started bringing out after he passed away. Yeah, I, yeah. I really like that. And that's always a shame when you like, it's a shame to lose him because that's the sort of like innovative leadership that creative yeah. leadership that's great in a, in a company. I think. Well, he was that heart and soul of Nintendo yeah. for so many years and him and, you know, obviously Miyamoto were very close and, mm. and, you know, worked very, very closely on the Wii and the DS and stuff and brought all that stuff to light. So mm. they were kind of that, um, they were kind of that dream team that like brought us all this cool innovation. Right. And so, and what, what, whatever you want to say about the Wii, whether you liked it or not and the waggle and all that, like it was by far their best selling, you know, system of all time and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. and broke tons of records. So, and then actually just one more story about Iwata, but when the Wii U came out, that was also partially his brainchild and it didn't, as we know, the Wii U did very poorly and is now out of production as we talk, but mm-hmm. as we speak, but, um, he took a huge pay cut, like voluntarily. Like he came on stage during their investor meeting, and was like, "I'm, I'm a big part of the responsible for this," and he took like a forty percent pay cut or something insane to avoid layoffs in the company. And yeah, partially to avoid layoffs, but partially just to admit, like, this is my fault. Like, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm the head of this mm-hmm. ship. I'm the captain of the ship, and if it doesn't do well, it's the blame lies with me. So, like, I, that I also can't imagine like a very any, Japanese thing to it do. Is, yeah. It is a very Japanese thing, but I can't imagine any other executive of any other company. I can't think of another story. Like, you know, the the, <laughs> the easy and direct contrast is all the banks where the banks went under and yeah. they all took giant billion dollar bonuses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, what so. would happen if that had happened in North America is not only would they uh, blame it on somebody else, but then give themselves a bonus. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, that's. That's balloon fight in Iwata. So, uh, Jordan, go ahead. Give us All your right, pick. I guess this is our last pick. Your last pick. NES Classic Famicom Mini Month. Yep. Let's end with someone that just had their birthday. Uh, Metroid just turned 30. <laughs> originally came out in 1986. Yes, you're going to say Metroid's a person. Well, well, no, I'm just saying it's. A, we've already talked about how sad we are that Metroid had a birthday and nothing happened. Actually, Thanks for nothing. You know what they did? Yeah. Um, they put a bunch of s- stuff on sale on Club Nintendo. 
So there's a bu- there's a few like Metroid games, and they created like a free Metroid uh, 3DS skin. That was that. That's so, that's, the, that's so weak. Tiny the thirtieth anniversary. Salt, yeah. <laughs> that is so weak. I'm for, so disappointed for one of their core franchises, yeah. right? Mario turns 27 and a half and they release like a collector's <laughs> edition and Metroid hits a milestone and they, they barely acknowledge, barely it. acknowledge uh, it. Yeah. Um, I, hurts my heart. One of the that's most, that's why we're doing it. We're going <laughs> to acknowledge it. I would say like considering how big Metroid is, it's probably one of the more underrated or maybe underappreciated by Nintendo themselves. I don't know if they, they understand how much the fans love it, but unlike Zelda, Mario, Mario Kart, Smash, it's like Metroid doesn't get a release as often as a lot of their other flagships. Yeah. And I just wonder if they don't consider Metroid to be on that same level. But I think as a fan, I would put it up there. Oh, yeah, I would definitely put it up there, too. And I think we've also talked about just the fact that, you know, what they've done is they've tried to do different things with the Metroid series, things like your other M and, uh, you know, Federation Force and all that kind of stuff. And it, clearly they don't understand why. They don't understand why people like the Metroid series. It's kind of weird. And I think they get this in the, like, in their business, set, in, like, sort of on the business side of things, they look at it and say, these aren't selling well. People don't want Metroid. Exactly. Which is they just, such a mistake. It's so weird that they don't treat it, though, with, like, the same, like, sort of, I guess just because respect, it, respect <laughs> but like the fact maybe maybe it's just that it got farmed out with Metroid Prime and that that did so well. So they thought, oh, maybe let's keep going that way. Let's keep giving it to other people. But like, you know, like with Mario and Zelda, they're like insanely protective of those things, of those properties and like all the characters and how they're treated and how the games come out and all that stuff. Well, they farmed Zelda out to Capcom for those uh Color titles, yeah. they were awesome. <laughs> well, I love the Oracle think, series. Yeah. One, one thing Nintendo likes to do is is try innovating their franchises. Though. Yeah. They like trying new things, even yeah. if it's a simple gimmick. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, yeah. I guess. Yeah, and with Metroid, the fans just, they kind of want the same thing. Well, I'm totally cool with them doing that, but you still have to address the core franchise. As long as Release your Federation the forces, yeah. that's fine, but still produce actual Metroid games. And, and if you are, tell us you are. And the foundation of the... of the game's roots need to still be there. Like when you play a new Mario game, it also feels like an old Mario game. It brings back memories. Whereas I think with other M, uh, people weren't really getting that same feeling. I know I'm one of the few people that played right through other M and thought it was an okay game, but it was missing a lot of that core uh, Metroid uh, I, I'm in that same camp because I played all the way through Other M as well. Yeah. I beat that game. Oh, wow. Game. I can't believe both of you did. I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole because <laughs> yeah. of all the reviews no, I heard about I, it. I beat that game too, and it had moments. Yeah. But I think, and I think most people agree, that the biggest problem was the characterization of Samus and the yeah. story. It was it was wrong. It was broken. It, it, yeah. it ruined this badass character for us. The traditional, um, I guess, playthrough of Metroid is that you unlock and acquire items by exploring and finding them. And in other M, my biggest peeve was the fact that you were, you had all the abilities from the start, but you had to wait for your orders from your commander to start using certain weapons. It was such a poorly written uh, way to get Samus to start using her upgraded weapons. Yeah, yeah. it's very strange. Yeah. I don't like the idea of Samus taking orders from somebody else. But well, well, that's I think the whole he, thing is like Samus is kind of like this rogue assassin. She's right? a that's, bounty hunter. Yeah, that's she what makes her so cool. Outside of the law, essentially, right? Yeah. And and she teams up with the uh, you know with the Federation when it's convenient for her or whatever. Exactly. She's, or she's when, not a when she feels she wants to, yeah. Yeah, she's not a stooge of the Federation, which no, is yeah. but the thing is you can tell a good story, I think, in that world. Um be, and like a more complex story because of course in the original Metroids the story was so basic and so oh, loose so there wasn't thin. a lot there's there. almost nothing there but then when you get to like Fusion and they told a really good story in Fusion that had some of the same characters from Other M as well that was, I thought that was really well done yeah, yeah and but, then if when you go into the Prime series like if you're willing to read all the codexes and stuff there's tons of backstory there about her history where she comes from who trained her like why she's such a badass why she has all these abilities like there's tons of good stuff in there yeah so, yeah, yeah fu- it's it's absolutely possible to do. They just didn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good point with Fusion, because Fusion was a lot more linear, too, which, again, broke what Metroid was best at. And it was still a great game. They found it, a way to it, make it work really well. Well, it still had the right atmosphere and the characterization and, and the, uh, the you know, the sort of oppressive, yeah. on your own, like the sort of aloneness that was Well, let's bring it back to the original Metroid now, because that's what um, helped the franchise become what it is today, was right from the start, they knew how to get that immersion, that atmosphere. That um, isolation. That isolation. Uh, so if we go back to talking about Hiro Kazu Chip Dip, Flip, Hip, <laughs> Licorice Whip, Tanaka... <laughs> Um, again, you know, he composed the music for this and 
one thing he wanted was exactly that. He wanted the atmosphere. He wanted the music to really tie into the game in a different way than most other games that were out at the time. Because at, uh, he, he wanted the opposite of, and I'm going to quote him, is a hummable pop tune that, yeah. that you can sing along like the Mario theme. Which was hilarious because, yeah, I'd heard the same thing, that he basically composed it because he didn't want something that people could like sing along with. Something without a melody, essentially. But... You know, I find myself walking around humming those Metro tunes all the time. Because they're still great. Yeah. Um, he's he's praised for being one of the first composers to utilize silence over filling the empty space with music. And he wanted the um, music and sound effects to be very seamless and hard to identify, like, what is what. Like, if you think about if anyone's ever fought Mother Brain or if you're in the, the Chozo item rooms, the music doesn't really sound like music. It feels more like um, ambient um, noises. No, just, yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, because he wanted the, those ambient noises to feel like living organisms. So he wanted that feeling like um, the world you're in is creating the breathing, the pulsing, the the atmosphere that you're walking through and you're experiencing. So again, lying heavily on the emotion to to pull out of the gamer. And so hard to do on something as simple as the NES sound chip, yet it totally works. Like all of his goals there, I can absolutely see that. Within, yeah, he was totally successful yeah. in what he tried to yeah. do. And and yeah, like the whole, yeah, he really created his own kind of sound. Mm -hmm. Like, which is, you know, anything past like the, I don't know, the 18th century is very difficult to do, <laughs> right? It's difficult to really truly be innovative and be like, this is like something that no one's ever done before. And he totally... It. And and it's still and it's so it's so tied to Metroid. Like you were talking about the Axiom Verge game, right? Yeah. And they did sort of the same thing. They basically copied that idea. Yeah. And it works. Yeah. They he knew what he was doing. He had an idea and um, trying something totally different that hadn't been done before. Yeah. Um, luckily, the Metroid team was given uh, almost a hundred percent creative control over how they wanted the game to go to to be developed. So they didn't really have anyone sort of coming down on their on them sort of manipulating how the game should be done. Um, they were creating something fresh. And uh, with that, they gave Tanaka um, a little bit extra creative freedom outside of the music. They gave him the ability to change anything aesthetically in the game if he, if he felt it worked better with the music. So in some cases, he helped create the names of some of the areas on the map. Um, that's just one example. I don't really have a lot of other examples. If, if his... Musical influence changed the graphics of the game, but apparently that was within his control, which is unheard of for for sound design. Absolutely, well, yeah. I've, I've actually heard that story. I don't know if it was in relation to Metroid, but in the same early days of development in Nintendo, it was basically like, do whatever you want. There is no oversight on this game. We don't care what you do. Just make something. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that was actually, um, I was reading recently, but that this came later, but there was like the formation of the Nintendo Treehouse, and what it was was like some of the lead devs said like we need a space where we can work where executives aren't always looking over our shoulder. So they gave them like an area in the Nintendo office um, where they could develop games and like the executives key cards didn't open the door like they had to be allowed in. <laughs> That's cool. So they would come and knock on the door and be like can well, we come in and then sometimes they were like yeah sure and sometimes they're like not right now. <laughs> That's great because if you think of the idea of the treehouse it's to escape from your parents. Right? Exactly and, and that was the whole idea right yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well let's let's listen to some Metroid. There's a lot of great atmospheric songs. I decided to not go with one of those. I went with something a little more melodic something more recognizable to the franchise just because it sounds really cool. It's a great song. Let's listen to Craig's Lair.
telling uh, Jordan beforehand that uh, I've I've got like if I've had a version of this on my like MP3 player since MP3 players became a thing since I could actually <laughs> acquire it as a file and for some reason the file that I have is just called Crades Hide. And, okay. and you were suggesting that it probably said Crade's hideout, but I always like thought, you know, like it was just <laughs> oh, creative yeah, naming, was, like his hide, like his actual like skin. His scales was, or his whatever. Scales. Yeah. And I thought like I thought that's actually a pretty cool name. In the newer Metroids, I would I would completely agree with that, that they would name the music after his hide because in the later Metroids he becomes bigger and more menacing. Yeah. But it's funny because I um I think the first time I ever got to Kraid in this game of Metroid, I had already played through all of Super Metroid. So for me, it was a little underwhelming to come <laughs> face to face yeah. with Kraid for the first time and realize, oh, he's about the same height as Samus. Well, I, I just want to, was it Super Nintendo where you basically fight a small fake version of Kraid and then you like beat him and then all of a sudden now you're fighting the real Kraid and he's like oh, three stories tall. I Is wish I could Super remember. I, I wish I could remember because I know it, or maybe it's one of the GBA ones. I can't remember. It but. might be, but you basically fight the original version of Kraid where he's like single screen high. Like, not single screen, but he's as big as you. Yeah, and yeah. And then you fight the... Uh, I wonder if that... I wonder if that was in Zero Mission. I forget because Zero Mission was trying to be a recreation of the hmm. original and I wonder if it was almost like... Yeah, we know this is a little <laughs> underwhelming. So fight the original Kraid and now fight the real Kraid. Yeah. You know <laughs> that might be. I, I was just I was I wanted to mention Zero Missions, awesome. Yeah. If you haven't, if you want to go back and play like a, a a version of the original Metroid, Zero Mission is where it's at. That game is great, and also that game's on sale right now. So yeah. if you want to pick that up, and that's, that's another that's great the game, game on that's, sale uh, that introduced the world to Zero Suit Samus as well. So. Yeah. Is I that is that the first? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, that's, that's the first appearance. Yeah, it's pretty much you beat the original Metroid and then they tack on this whole other part of the story that never existed. And then it's uh, where the Zero Suit comes in. I guess she she escapes the end. Uh, she flies away in her ship just like, um, you know, the story goes. But then yeah. she gets shot down and crash lands on a different planet. And she loses her suit. Yeah. And it's this whole like stealth game yeah. at that point. And it's it's awesome. Zero Mission like, is probably one of the best. Definitely play that. Well, I can't believe like... Think of the Game Boy Advance. Got Zero Mission, an awesome recreation of the original, and Fusion. Yeah. Like two fantastic sprite-based Metroid games, yeah. which is all the fans really want. And we've talked and about... the GBA the, got two of them. Yeah, we've talked about the GBA before and how the sound wasn't great, yeah. but in terms of Metroid games, yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask, is the NES the one where you can see her, like, there's like, if you beat it 100% or whatever, you see her like in her outside her suit or whatever. Well, yeah, in I, under two hours, I think. Oh, yeah. it's a time thing? Well, it's okay. a time and I couldn't a remember what it was. And it's not, it's not just the NES. It's most versions, most, I believe, sprite-based versions when you beat the okay. game under a certain time. I think the Super Nintendo, one of the GBA ones too even, um, I I think it they give you like... um like an end credit, like a splash page of like Metroid in her light, or sorry, Samus in her. That's, that's a, <laughs> why can't Metroid jump? Yeah. <laughs> why yeah. can't Metroid crawl? <laughs> or crawl. That's what yeah. it was. <laughs> give, give back my gamer card. Yeah, for that's right. Well, it's like, it's me with the rings yeah. and the coins. This is, yeah. this is yours. Um, so the splash page of, of Samus in her like victory pose or her classic pose, but depending on how quickly or how high of a percentage you beat the game, um, I believe the poses change, and I think if you get the best time, then I think she's in her zero suit or she's in like a bikini or something. A yeah, well, suit, I, yeah. it was it was in the first Metroid where it was just basically a change where you see her sort of like standing on the ground, and it would be well. Would, this is important because this is where you. It's not just she doesn't just take off her suit; it's revealed that she's a yes, female. This is the because yeah. actually, even in the instruction manual, Samus is referred to as a he. Yes. And, it, and and I don't know if that's because they hadn't decided yet if it was a last minute decision to turn her into a woman or if they were trying to throw you off. I've heard it was a, a misdirection thing. Yeah. That it was actually to throw you off. And then it, like that one was fairly simple. You had to beat it with a certain completion under a very quick time to actually get Samus like without the armor on. And then in Super Metroid, it got a little more complex. And it was even in, in Fusion and Zero Mission specifically where they did like anime hand-drawn splash screens yeah, where yeah. you beat it in different in That's, different configurations and you get like a, basically a wallpaper almost. Yeah. Of, That's uh, cool. Which 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 was cool, but I like the reveal too where it's just like Yeah, the original. Yeah. The big the big bait and switch. The bait and switch. And yeah. of course, you know, that this the secret was out by that time, so in Super Nintendo, even if you didn't uh, you know, beat the game to see Samus outside of her suit every time you die in that game, the suit breaks apart and she like you see that it's a woman obviously. Yeah, yeah, it's revealed. Yeah. But uh in the time when the Nintendo version came out, it wasn't very common for there to be a female protagonist. So 
it was a pretty big deal for its time. She's almost like, you know, the godmother of female protagonists in video games. So yeah, and it was a big deal too because e- even this far later is that the way she was presented. I know that she's you know Samus has become like sort of a, a sex symbol as well, especially considering the zero suit and that kind yeah, of yeah. The zero suit that's kind of the downside but, of it, but yeah. But before that, I mean, it was here was a woman who was presented as a warrior in like a, a badass uh, bounty hunter yeah, as yeah. a bounty hunter and basically in a huge suit of armor that wasn't like a sexualized thing because every time you get a woman in a game, it's like you know here's the, here's the guy in like well, the full suit of like metal armor and then the woman who's a warrior is out there with like your string bikini and yeah, a sword kind yeah. of thing, it's right? The, it's but, the like eternal joke of like RPGs, right? Like if you're a male character and as you get armor, you get like bulkier and bulkier and bulkier and as if you're a female character, your upgraded armor gives you less and less yeah, clothes for some reason. Skimpier, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and Samus was like different than that trend, which was, yeah. you know. And early, very early on, right? Yeah. It's too bad she couldn't have set the example for everything going forward, but <laughs> but she is a good example to look at. And I think that's, that. The, correct me if I'm wrong, I never played it, but that was a lot of people's problem with other M, right? Was that, was that she, she was, was kind of presented as like a, like she was, it was more she needed like, someone to protect her. Yes, and, exactly. Because yeah. like she was subservient to a male character. She yeah. had this, she had this like commanding officer who was like her boss and was in charge. And she was basically like, she was, she was subservient to him essentially, yeah. which was totally against her characterization. And that's sort of an unfortunate thing with Samus is that over time she has become more of this sexualized character, especially yeah. like you talk about zero suit. And of course, when she was put into smash brothers, they gave her high heels as well, which was not something that she had in her original zero suit. No. So yeah. it's, you know, they were supposed, they're supposed to be like rocket boots or something. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, exactly. But rocket boots that are why, high. Why heels, they have which, to be high heeled. Yeah. It's <laughs> stupid. So, yeah. What are you going to do? But for for those of us who remember, or if you go back and play it on the classic, you'll see that she was originally just a badass bounty hunter. Didn't need anyone. And if you play it on the original and you input the uh, classic Justin Bailey code, look it up online, you can put in that code and you can play from the beginning as Samus outside of her suit. That's right. Yeah. 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 Which is cool because it was totally different than how she's designed now outside of her suit. She almost had like that... uh, sort of that retro space babe kind of look where she had like, <laughs> yeah, a, kind of uh, like a purple spandex suit and like bright green hair. Yeah, and- long green hair. <laughs> and yeah, she was purple with like white skin. And that was like limited color palette oh, yeah. stuff too, right? But, but you but you, you almost like ha- picture her evolving into like she just has like the bubble helmet and the little bubble like space shooter almost that sort of 1950s look. Well, that's that color scheme is also of course specific because even when she's outside of her suit, if you're, suit, if you're playing Samus, and you pick up the different suit power-ups, you, your palette changes to show that you have the different ones. So yeah. even that green hair one, which is like the classic Justin Bailey code, is not necessarily the Samus color palette. It's actually, if you beat the game normally, I think she has like brown hair. Yeah, it's true. When you play the game, it's oh, right. a little different. Really? She yeah. wasn't blonde? Yeah. No, she, she, was she blonde wasn't, from she the wasn't start. blonde in, in the very beginning. Okay. Yeah. Back, back when they were figuring things out, right? Because I think uh, even Princess Peach... Back when she was Princess Toadstool, had red hair. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So yeah, that's it for the games. And now we ask the question, Jordan, what have you been playing? Uh, I haven't really been playing anything, anything in particular. I've kind of been all over the map, um, playing a lot of fighting games. Oh yeah, why is um, that? <laughs> <laughs> I know he if dated. I, I know if I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, if I didn't bring this up, you guys would, you guys would uh, <laughs> no, bring it up like, anyways. <laughs> Um, so my birthday was, uh, back in October and, uh, you two and, uh, some family got together and pooled your resources and got me, um, a fight stick. So something I've always wanted for a long time. Um, it's the Hori Rap 4, um, arcade pro fighting stick. So it's specifically designed for fighting games and it's, uh, like a lap size, um, arcade joystick but uh, designed for fighting games. I guess the responsiveness of it is what makes it better for fighting games. And like growing up playing arcades, I played a lot of fighting games. So when I, you know, heard there's a fight stick specifically for that, I'm like, maybe I should give that a try. Cause you know, I just feel like as fighting games get, uh, they evolve through the generations. I'm finding I'm sort of getting left behind in the dust. Like I was really good at the original street fighter two. 
When and it was just the NES. When and, it was like, yeah. yeah, Street Fighter 2, Turbo, Super Street Fighter 2, all of those, awesome. And then now it's like you need like a science degree just to pull off a combo. <laughs> so It's true. Some of those combos are insane. Yeah, so I, I just find I'm not really having as much fun. So I'm like, you know what? If I had a fight stick, then at least if I suck, I'm still having fun because I got a fight stick. But even with, if, with the fight stick, I mean, maybe you're playing Street Fighter 5 or whatever like that, like with the uh, much more complex combos and everything like that. But there's still a lot of independent developers which are making some Pretty cool things too, yeah. and I saw you picked up like Skullgirls. Yeah, so Skullgirls is is that's a, great a big one. one. Yeah, um, I had it already on PS3, and uh, I don't know why I bought it on Steam and I bought it off Limited Run Games for the PS4. <laughs> <laughs> so I have it on three platforms because have it on everything you can possibly buy. I, I love the fran- the Skullgirls franchise because the art style is just super fun and charming, and it's not an expensive game. Um, right now, you can get the original Skullgirls for $10, not even on sale. It's just a $10 game, but it's really fun. So I've been playing Street Fighter V, Skullgirls. I picked up uh, King of Fighters 13. Um, I've just been playing a lot of really interesting fighting games and having a good time. Like Street Fighter V, I'm not getting better because I have a fight stick, <laughs> but I'm having more fun. Um, and playing it in a new way, I guess. Absolutely. Now, yeah. have you tried your fight stick with... Uh, like emulated Street Fighter 2 Turbo Championship Edition. Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I wasn't sure if I was going to talk about it. But another thing I've, I've been working on over the last couple of months was I bought a Raspberry Pi and I installed a software called RetroPie and I have an arcade emulator on there. And that was the whole reason I bought the, uh, the Raspberry Pi was to create an arcade emulator. So I've totally been playing that. <laughs> I've been playing Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. I picked up some, some beat-em-ups. I've been playing Turtles in Time, the original yeah. arcade way, The Simpsons. <laughs> Um, and I found this really interesting one called Pretty Soldier Sailor Moon. And it's uh, <laughs> it's a side-scrolling beat-em-up Sailor Moon I've fighting game. I that game. It is really good. <laughs> yeah. I like it. That's hilarious. So, yeah, tons of arcade stuff. It's all I've been playing is fighting games and, and anything arcade-inspired. So, so you're going to buy three more fight sticks now so we can play four-player uh, Turtles in time? going to have to, yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, the Pi has four USB ports, so we could totally do that. Uh, totally so, break the bank. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's all I've been playing. Very cool. So, well, I guess what we can add, uh, so we'll go on to the contest now. So we're always adding games. And I guess what we'll add is Skullgirls. That's yeah. a perfect, that's a perfect one. Totally. To so, oh, and as promised uh, in the last podcast, I did go online and I looked it up and what I can buy you uh, as like a contest winning, if you prefer, is a uh, $10 um, eShop gift card. I can send it through PayPal. So if you would prefer to get one of the games that we've talked about on the classic, on like in in either the eShop, like on your 3DS, so Wii U or, Wii U or your yeah. Wii, uh, I can, well, actually, it's just Wii U and 3DS. I yes. should be careful with that because yep. they have different stores. So, yes. so Wii U and 3DS, if there's any of the games that we've talked about uh, that are on the classic that you'd like to play there emulated. Uh, like Star Tropics. Like Star Tropics, <laughs> yeah, and, and do the digital water dunking. I the need norm to know how- for us. So that <laughs> was know. awesome. Eh? Um, I need to see that. Yeah, uh, if that's something you'd rather have instead of one of the other three. So it can either be Overcooked, it can be Soma, or it can be Skullgirls. Or a $10 gift card for... Or a $10 gift card for the eShop. So uh, your choice of those four things. So that's that's what we'll have this month. So uh, yeah, if you want to go back and play Star Tropics or, or Balloon Fight or... Super Mario Bros. 2 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's all the, all the good stuff we've talked about this month. So uh, that's it, I guess, for our NES Classics, Famicom Mini. I, I don't know. Probably one of my favorite topics. It's been a good one. We've, <laughs> we've gone through all this it's, old stuff. It's, it's been fun for me because I have to go back and actually play some of the yeah, stuff. That probably I didn't one, of the, one of the easier ones to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for you too, for sure. <laughs> it's some of the legends of uh, like classic gaming composing on here. So it's an easy music topic to, to cover. And to cover. I, I got to wish everybody luck in your quest to find an NES Classic. Yeah, so if you get one <laughs> or if you can get one for Christmas... Uh, Hooray for you. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> hopefully one of us can pick one up at some time and we can all try it out as well. But yeah, that's it for this uh, for this month, for this topic. And uh, we'll be back to you next month with a new one. We'll see you then.